Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm actually going to, I'm going to be continuing uh, our series. We're in a, a series at the moment, Who Do You Think You Are? And this is uh, week four of that series and I'm going to be continuing that. I want to thank our worship team. You guys do an amazing job. Thank you. We'll get you back soon on that. But I'm going to be speaking this morning. Who do you think you are? This series is all about us discovering our true identity in Christ. I don't know about you, but whenever I get into trouble with God, and I don't mean like doing something wrong, when in trouble in terms of, you know, I start to think negatively about God, I start to think, doesn't He care? Doesn't He see? What is He? What's going on? And I know none of you ever think like that. And right now your estimation of me has just plummeted, but I'm being real with you to, uh, this morning. I find that whenever I find myself in that place, it's because I've forgotten who it is I am. I've allowed my being to, and my doing to trump my being. And this series is all about us understanding who we are in Christ. It's about us having a change in the way we think. It's about us changing things. Because the Scripture says, as a man thinks, and it means us girls too, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And this series is all about changing the way we think, that we would see who we are, and then any activity that we do, anything we do comes out of that place of who I am, not me trying to do something so I can gain my identity that way. Another way of saying it is the fact that identity precedes activity or our activity comes out of our identity. So if I find myself miffed with God or or something going on, it's because I've just reversed the order, found myself doing something, trying to get this when I have to understand, no, 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 no. Who do you think you are, Kath? Because people will say that over us all the time. Who do you think you are? And we have to have a revelation of who we are so we can answer the accusation and say, I know exactly who I am. And we've looked at things. We've talked about that we're adopted. We've talked about that we're adored. We've talked about we're ambassadors. Uh, Last week, Tony talked about we are saved. And this morning, I'm going to continue. And I want to talk about the aspect that you and I are heirs. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I am an heir. I didn't say airhead, I said heir. All right, and I didn't say hair, as in hair, I mean heir. I'm an heir. I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 17. You'll find it up behind me on the screen. Turn to it in your Bibles or your iPads, iPhones. But just in case you don't believe that this morning, I'm going to give you some scriptural basis for it. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I don't know, excuse me, if there are any royalists in the room this morning. Are there any royalists, people who, you know, love the royal family, 
You don't have to admit to it. That's okay. It's fine. I probably am not what you would consider a royalist, but I do have an interest in all things royal. Tony often tells me, I know when his mum, Wendy, was alive, you know, I remember sitting down and watching the wedding of um, Charles and Diana. We've watched the weddings of... Um, Catherine and uh, William, and then more recently, I watched the wedding of Megan and uh, Harry. But Tony always tells a story of when he was younger, how his mum in the 70s, when the Queen came to Adelaide, she pulled him out of school, they went down to Elizabeth, they sat on the roadside and they waved to the cavalcade that went past. And if you are a royalist, but I mean, even nowadays with news and everything we hear, we would all be aware that there is another royal baby on the way. Prince uh, Harry and, Pr- and Princess Meghan, I was calling her Megan because I get tomato, tomato, but whatever, Me- Megan, right, are expecting a baby. And so, you know what, I started to think about the fact that this royal child, what were they being born into? Like, what kind of life and what kind of inheritance and what kind of royal privileges do they have? Does, does anyone else think like that? Like, what are they getting? Well, I'm like, thank God for Google, because I just got onto Google. And I'm going to share with you some of the privileges that the, uh, this royal child is going to be born into. It says that it's opened with this. It just says this child is going to have wealth beyond measure. They don't, uh, not subject to inheritance tax, which kind of when you look at the royal family and what they have, that's kind of a blessing there. When he gets handed down or she gets handed down what's coming to her, they don't have to pay tax on it. They don't even have to pay income tax. Royals don't pay income tax. You know, you and I have a job. We earn money. We have to pay income tax. It's part of the responsibility the government takes so they can do whatever projects and how they want to do it. The royal family, it's voluntary if they decide to choose to pay income tax. They get free accommodation. So the palace and that's owned by other things, they get free accommodation, all their castles and wherever they have them all, it's free. They have servants, they, uh, their titles, so they all get titles. So Megan got a title when she married, everyone has a title. They are, check this one out. They're exempt from the Freedom of Information Act. In other words, they can say whatever they like, wherever they want, and they're not held accountable for it. They can just have an opinion, spout it off, and they will not be held accountable to it. So they can have all sorts of weird, uh, controversial views and have no accountability. They have a direct line from Buckingham Palace to the Prime Minister and to many of the ministers. And check this, their workload, you and I know if I work 38 hours, I'm paid 38 hours. If I work 30 hours, I'm paid 30 hours. The royals are paid, uh, their workload is calculated by the engagements they attend, not the hours they work. They get free transport and they get free clothing. That's just to name a few of the privileges that being born royal accounts to you. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, how do I get in on that gig? Like, seriously, come on. How do I get that? Well, Google also told me that. All right. There are three ways you can become royal. One is you can be born royal. So this new prince or princess, when it arrives, I hate calling it it, but if I say he or she, you're going to say, what do you know? I know nothing, all right? (laughs) Nothing. But this child will become royal just by pure birth. The second way is you can be adopted. So let's take Megan. She's Princess Megan. She's now royal. She has a royal title. She's part of the royal family. She's been adopted into that position by her marriage. Or the third way is you can take it by force. It's like, you know what? Cool. Queenie, move over. We're coming, you know. 
So, and we've seen plenty of history over the time where there have been usually government armies have risen up against the um, royal people of the time of the day, overthrown them. There's been many coups by that. So there's three ways in which you can become royal. But I'm here to tell us this morning that you and I are already royal. Now, did you hear me this morning? You and I are already royalty. We are ourselves an heir. Galatians 3.29 says this, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. Our right to the royal throne has been established. And do you know what I love? We actually fulfil the trifecta. What do I mean by that? I mean the fact that we fulfil all three of those criterias. If we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we have the term we've been born again. You and I have been born into a royal family. I am royal by birth. Secondly, because of what Christ has done for me, He's because I was born in terms of the blood nature of and the bloodline of Adam, the fallen nature, because Christ made a sinless sacrifice for me, because I've accepted Him as my Lord and Saviour, I've been adopted into God's family. I've been, I'm able to say Abba Father, I'm able to say Daddy God because of what Jesus has done for me. So I've been born into it, I've been adopted, and do you know what? I've taken it by force. Because Scripture says that we inherit these promises through faith. For us being able to overcome the doubts and the negativity, the lies of the entity, is through faith we access everything that God has in, has in place for us. It's true for me and it's true for you. I am an heir this morning. You are an heir this morning. You are royalty. And it gets better. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll be sitting there thinking, that's not bad. It's not a bad option. I'm saying, you know what? Don't buy in yet, all right? I've got more for you, all right? I'm like that Danos direct guy going, just wait. I know you want this. I know you want the saucepan set, but the knives are coming. I'm saying to you, church, this morning, I am royal. You are royal, but it's better than just the fact that what Christ has done for me. There is nothing. Let me hear you say nothing. nothing. No, nothing like you mean nothing. There is nothing, nothing that actually can take my royal position away from me. I can't do anything to earn it and I can't do anything to lose it. It's the free gift of God. And I don't know if you remember way back when um, Catherine married um, the other one. (laughs) Told you I'm a royalist. William, Prince William should use my... When Catherine married Prince William, there was all this conjecture about her history and what her family did to set her up. So they used to say, you know what, they made sure she went to the right preschool. They made sure that from the right preschool, she went to the right high school and the right colleges and she was seen at the right parties and she'd moved in the right circles in the vain hope that if she positioned herself or her parents positioned her within the right, she might catch the attention of the royal eye. So she did some things or her parents did some things on her behalf to put her in a position where she could see. Do you know what? We don't have to play that game. There's nothing you and I can do that can catch the eye of God any more than what has already had. And if you don't believe me, then listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says this. 
But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He may show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You can't increase your position to royalty. You can't decrease your opportunity to become royal. You are royal. It doesn't matter whether you found Christ when you were up and out or whether you found Christ when you were down and out. It doesn't matter whether when you were saved, you've uh, had a life change and things have been going great or there's been no, in a sense, evidence of that in your life. Dead is dead is what that scripture tells me. You have no bearing on it. I keep saying to people, there's no degrees of death. It's not she's a little bit dead or she's three days more dead or now she's... No, dead is dead. And that scripture says that you were dead in your transgressions. You were dead. Nothing you could do but God who made us what? Alive in Christ. You can't lose your royal crown. You can't take it off. If you've accepted Christ, He's your Lord. He's your Saviour. You are a child of God. You've been made alive. You are an heir of the promise. And it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you'll do this afternoon. Hey, it doesn't even matter what you do tomorrow. That crown is fixed because of what Christ has done for you. But oh, don't buy in yet. It's good, but it gets better. You and I, it was settled in the ages before. Scripture says that before I saw it, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I knew. I saw I've done it. Before you were born, it was already settled. Before you had thoughts of doing that, before you failed in what you think, it doesn't matter. God says, I see, I know, I've done. It is complete. Your enthronement is settled. It is there, done, dusted. You cannot dethrone yourself. So the question begs then, is why do we struggle to live in the identity of what Christ has called us to? And I think it comes down to the fact we need a fresh revelation of what our inheritance is. I can't change my inheritance. My responsibility is to accept what it is, and then walk out into it. My enthronement is complete. When I understand my identity, then my activity comes from that safe place, that right place, that good place. And so that's what I want to quickly in our time together this morning, I want to look at what, if I'm an heir, what's my inheritance? Okay then, Kath, so I'm an heir, so I'm a child of God, but what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Well, I want to look at two things that that means for you and I this morning. And the first one is this. Our inheritance is number one, all that God has. Everyone say all. All that God has. Psalm 24, one says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. What's our inheritance this morning? It's everything. Everything. 
That's our inheritance. What am I inheriting? I'm inheriting all that God has. And that scripture tells me God has everything. Do you know what everything means? Everything. It means everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, everything. The air that I breathe, everything. The bed that I sleep in, everything. Everything God has is mine. It reminds me of a story back in, um, I think it was 96 when it was the Atlanta Olympics. My brother-in-law was um, riding for Australia. So my mum and dad did their very first ever international holiday. They went to Atlanta to watch him race. And so my mum did the responsible thing and she went and renewed their wills. So I was like, what do you think's going to happen? Like, you're just going to watch a bike race, like seriously. But anyway, so she, they went and redid their wills and she rang me and said, can you come? I need to see you. So I came over and she walked me through the house and started to say, see this lounge suite? I want that to go to you. See this? I want that to go to you. See this? I want that to go to you. This I want to go. When it came to her car, I was like, awesome. She goes, no, that's going to Richard. I'm like, oh. But my mum walked me through, took me to her jewellery box, opened it up and said, now, pick what you'd like. Like, here's your inheritance. I was like, give it to Nat. (laughs) (laughs) The point being, everything that my mum had is mine. And she, and you know what? This royal baby, when it comes, there's going to be a day coming when Prince Harry and Princess Meghan will probably walk them around and say, you know, see this? This is yours. See this? This is yours. See this? This is yours. And church, we're heirs of God. And God, we have to walk around going, see this? This is mine. Because everything God has is mine. Everything God has is yours. But still, there's more knives coming. Because not only is it all that God has, the second part of our inheritance, it's all that God is. It's not just what he has, it's all that he is. Psalm 16.5 says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance. Church, we are inheritance of God himself. All that he is, him in very nature is who you and I, it is part of our reward. It's the inheritance that's been laid up for each and every one of us. And what I want to do this morning is just look at some of those redemptive names of God and remind us, who do you think you are? You're an heir. And I'm going to look at what that means for you so that when we leave this morning, we leave with our shoulders back, our chest out, our head high, and a confidence, a spring in our steps, not because of anything we've done, but because we've had a fresh revelation of whose we are. And when I know whose I am, then I know who I am. And when I know who I am, what I do flows from that, not me trying to do something so that I can gain His attention. I've already got His attention. His attention is on me. His attention is on you. What He wants for us is to start living out of our inheritance and not living out of the circumstances and the situations in which we find ourselves in. So this morning, I want you to remember this. What are you inheriting? You inherit Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your world. But I want to remind you, your inheritance is this. God is your shepherd. God will lead you. 
God will guide you. He will protect you. He will sustain you. He will hold you. He will care for you. And we have to remember that when the scriptures were written, they were written back in Middle Eastern times. See, today we look at Australian shepherds. We would call them jackaroos or jillaroos, and they drive around generally in their pickup trucks. They have the kelpie dogs on the back. They, uh, the kelpie dogs dr- jump off, and they literally round up the flock. They just bark at their heels, yap at them, gather them in through fear, direct them to where they want to go. But when this was written, it's written in a time where the shepherd lived among the flock. He slept with them, he ate with them, he walked with them. He just did life with them. So much so that they, Scripture says that the sheep know my voice. What would happen is they'd be out on the hillsides and there'd be times when all the flocks would gather together. Other shepherds from different herds would come together. There'd be um, shared watering holes and things like that and all the flocks would gather and the shepherds would probably, you know, hey, how's Jill going, blah, 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 have the, whatever conversation they'd be doing. They'd be having um, human contact for a while. Then when it was time for the shepherd to move on, to gather his sheep to move to the other pasture so that they could be fed, he would simply just walk off. He'd have some sort of call or some sort of um, whistle or something where he would just say, you know, my, I can't whistle, but <laughs> whatever. And the sheep, see, my sheep would be lost. And I'd be like, what was that? <laughs> and he'd walk. There wasn't this picture of him going, Bessie, Bessie, come on. And he's trying, and where's Jill? And where's Jan? And where's, oh, where's, oh, I've lost Sheila. Where's Sheila? I can't find her. That's not the picture. He just walked off. He said his call and his sheep knew his name. And knew the, they, the, shepherd know, the sheep know the shepherd's name. So they would just follow and know. And so you know what? What's our inheritance this morning? You have a shepherd who cares for you, who lives amongst you, who walks with you, who wants to do life with you, who will guide you. I'm not sure what your circumstance is, but you don't have to worry or get stressed about it, worry about it. The shepherd's there and he wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to be with you. He wants to protect you. He wants to care for you. That's the inheritance that you and I have access to this morning. He's not only Jehovah, our shepherd, he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Psalm 23 verse 1 continues on. It says, not only is the Lord my shepherd, it says, I lack nothing. Other translations say, I will not be in want. I want to remind us this morning that God sees where you're at and he provides for where you're at. The first time that this nature of God was mentioned, or Jehovah Jireh, the name, was in the account in Genesis chapter 2 of when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. For those of you who may not know, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids. After many years, they finally get this promised child. And then God comes along and just wants to know, hey, Abraham, am I still number one? I fulfilled a long-term desire and dream in your heart. But I want to know, have you let that dream and desire replace my position? So he says, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to take your son. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Your one and only son that you've waited for all this time. And Abraham was prepared to do that. Made the journey, went up the mountain, had everything ready, had Isaac on the altar, was about to kill him. When an angel stops him and says, hey, stop. He says, look to the thicket. There's a ram. And it's at that place that he was named Jehovah Jireh, my provider, because God provided a way for him. One of the natures of God is that he's omni, uh, omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. 
And I read a commentator where he said this, because of God's pre-vision. So in other words, he's already seen. He knit me together. He's known my days right from the beginning. He, he knows what's happening in 10 years, in five years, in one year. He knows it all. Because of his pre-vision, it allows for his provision. I'm here to tell you this morning, what's your inheritance? It's God the provider. Whatever it is you're lacking, our, pro- our inheritance and the promise is, I will lack nothing. I will want for nothing. So if you are lacking in joy this morning, if you're needing strength, if you're needing grace, if you're needing something that you just feel, God, I don't have it. I'm here to remind you, your inheritance is here. Stop living out of the circumstances in which you find yourself and avail yourself of the inheritance that is yours this morning. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Verse 2 goes on to say, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know what? This peace that is our inheritance is twofold. We have peace with God and then we have the peace of God. And it's not semantics. It's completely different. Because of Christ coming and making a way that I can have relationship with God, I've got peace with God. I can come into God's presence because of what Christ has done with me. He made a way where there was no way. I have peace with God. I don't have to feel bad. No, Jesus has made peace for me on my behalf. Just like when there's two warring parties and somebody has to come and broker a peace deal. Once a peace deal is brokered, we can then operate in the terms of that treaty. Jesus has done that for you and I. I have peace with God. You have peace with God. But it's better than just peace with God. I've got the peace of God, which means I've got the very nature of Him. So when I'm in an anxious situation, when everything inside me is uh, angst and and there's turmoil and there's fear and there's all those things that are going on, I can... um, Empower myself with the inheritance that I have and say, God, I need your, your peace is mine. Right now, I'm not operating in that level of peace. Right now, I've allowed things to steal my peace. Right now, I've got thinking on wrong things. I'm um, focusing on wrong things. But God, your peace is my inheritance. And so that is what I'm going to avail myself of today. I've got peace of God. It's part of mine and it's part of your inheritance. And you know what I love about that word peace? It's interchanged throughout the Bible. And here's several different meanings of what it means. It means it can be translated welfare, good health, prosperity, favour, rest, whole, finished, restitution and perfect. Your inheritance is all of those things. I don't know what you need, but stop living in your circumstances in which you find yourself and start declaring inheritance over your situation. He's also Jehovah Rophi, my healer. Verse 3 says, He refreshes my soul. Some other translation says, He restores my soul. God is our healer, whether it be physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. God wants to bring healing 
to the situations in which you find it. It's your inheritance. Yes, you may have an ailment, but you know what? We don't have to live under the terms of that ailment. We just say, you know what? My inheritance is my healing. It's by his stripes I've been healed. Healing is my inheritance. Maybe you've got a relational estrangement, something you've tried your best to be able to do this and you can't see a way forward. Your inheritance this morning is God is in control. God can bring healing to that relationship. He can bring the the salve to come through with the Holy Spirit spirit and just bring restoration in that. Whatever you're going through mentally, the struggles that you're having, the emotional baggage, the things, whoever hurt you, whatever they did to you, you don't have to be prisoner to that any longer. You can live in your inheritance, which is to have healing in the area of your emotions. He's Jehovah Sekenu, my righteousness. Psalm 23 verse 3 says this, He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. Church, you have to understand and remember, you are accepted. God has accepted you because of Jesus. You are not, and I am not, what I have done. Oh, but you don't understand. This is what I used to do. This is what I did. This is what I did. Yes, you're not what you've done. Can I also remind you, you're not what's been done to you. I understand that there are some horrific stories in this church, of people who've been abused, of people who at the hands of men have been dealt blows that really they're not, it's not God's heart. But you're not what's been done to you. Can I remind you what you are? You're what God has been done for you. You've got the righteousness of Christ. It's your inheritance this morning. We stand in the presence of a holy God, not because of anything we've done but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. It's our inheritance. You may have done the wrong thing. There may be some consequences to the actions for which you feel, of which you have to walk out, but they have no bearing on your kingship, on your rulership, on your heirship, on your sonship of what Christ has done for you. You have Jehovah Sekenu, your righteousness, who works on your behalf. There's a few others, but I want to finish with this last one. Jehovah Shammah, my companion. Psalm 23 verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, what is part of our inheritance? It's a God who is always present. He's with us no matter what. He's our constant companion. If you're here this morning and you're just saying, God, do you even see me? Do you even know? God's answer for you this morning is yes. And I'm with you. We sang the song. He's the another in the fire. He's the one holding back the waves. He's the one who has to remind you that the grave is empty. There's no body there. The tomb is empty. I see you. I am your constant companion. The Scripture goes on to say that He has left us a gift, a deposit of the Holy Spirit, reminding, it's a guarantee. And you know what a guarantee is? Is when you want something and you haven't quite got it, you give something that's of value to you to be able to say, I'm coming back to settle that debt. That Holy Spirit that God has given each and every one of what we have access to is a guarantee of our future inheritance. But out of everything that I've shared this morning, do you know what really resonates with me? My mum took me through the house 
and showed me my future inheritance. But that inheritance is not realised for me until some of the things that she was obviously fearing would happen in America happen. Until my mum and dad pass away, that inheritance is is not mine. But the good news for you and I this morning is our inheritance, yes, it's for eternity. Yes, it's for where we're going to go and spend eternity forever with Jesus. But our inheritance starts right here, right now. That we are heirs to the promise. We are heirs to everything He has. So whatever your situation and circumstance you find yourself in this morning, can I remind you, you are a child of God. You are an heir. Remember Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Not an heir out there, but an heir in here. Who do you think you are this morning? Next time you hear that accusation, well, who do you think you are? You need to answer confidently and boldly. I tell you who I am. I'm an heir. I'm a son and daughter of the living King. I have a co-heirship with Jesus. And because of what He's done, everything that God has is my inheritance. Everything that He is, is my inheritance. I choose today to stop living out of my circumstances. I understand I live in this world, but I'm not part of this world. And I'm able to live through my inheritance. I'm able to have the peace that Christ has paid for me. I can have the righteousness and right standing with God, not because of me, but God. I was dead. You were dead, but God has made us alive in Christ Jesus. So whatever it is you're walking through this morning, whatever it is you need, if you need peace in your situation, if anxiety, negative thoughts, fear of the future is grappling with your heart and mind, reclaim your inheritance this morning. It's peace. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. If it's protection, you're worried about maybe you're a single mum, husband's left, things are going on, you're concerned about that. He's your provided, he is your shepherd, and he wants to provide protection and guidance. Maybe it's a healing you need, there's a relational strain, there's an emotional uh, disconnect, there's a physical healing in your body. He is your healer this morning, or perhaps it's just a separation and a loneliness. You need to know God is your companion this morning. And I'd love the opportunity to pray for you right now. So I'm going to ask, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, my prayer this morning is that we would have a fresh revelation of all that you have done for us. That God, we would know and understand that if we've accepted Jesus, that we are sons and daughters, which means we are heirs to the promise, heirs to what is to come, but more importantly, heirs to what's available to each and every one of us now. And I pray that peace would be our portion. Those who are struggling with fear, peace would come. I pray that we'd grapple and take hold of the joy that is ours. I pray, Father, right now, that um, You would meet people where they're at, that you would see them, that you would know and they'd have a fresh revelation of what is going on and where they need to be. And I ask all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 